0: There once was a woman, a host with the most, with plenty of Coca-Cola for a holiday toast. She headed out to share a Coke with friends in town, but outside the door was a gift on the ground. So she reached inside and read the letter. Have a Coke, old friend, because together tastes better. This season, say thank you to family, friends, or neighbors by sharing a nice cold Coke. Because sharing brings us together, and we know together tastes better. Pick up a Coke at your nearest Meijer and share it today. What is up, my beautiful little butterflies? How we doing today? Today's Wednesday, and today was the roughest day of my 2020, I think, because I ran out of my anxiety medication for just other insurance reasons, um, and I thought I was dying, because if you don't take your anxiety and depression medicine as scheduled, it really F's with you, so um i just want to let you know that we have a guest this week and the audio was a little wonky just on my end so i tried not to talk that much so give allison your full undivided attention it's only certain parts that's a little wonky but we had to do it on zoom but this episode is freaking amazing she's a mental health therapist she's an eating disorder recovery coach guys you have to listen i hope you enjoy it What is up, guys? Welcome back for another Thursday of Raising Serotonin. And I am just, December is the best month ever because it is full of intelligent, beautiful, amazing people who are coming on Raising Serotonin to give you the absolute best information and tips and tricks and just everything that you could possibly need. We are going to have this month. So, today. I am so, 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 so excited for our next guest. And Allison, you want to tell us about yourself?
1: Hi. Yeah. So my name is Allison. I am an eating disorder therapist and recovery coach. So thanks for having me on the podcast, Samantha. I'm excited to be here and just talk about all things recovery. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah, Right now I work exclusively exclusively with people with eating disorders and body image issues. Um, I work in a group practice called the Eating Disorder Center. I've also worked in various settings and levels of cares, including psychiatric hospitals, schools, residential programs, and now outpatient. Yeah. So it's been quite the ride. (laughs) How did you get into this?
0: Like what was... What was up i that's just amazing i never even thought of like someone like going into that type of field because like i didn't really get into mental health until about probably just like almost a year and a half ago and like when i really started caring about it and i've had an eating disorder for a very long time now so you know mm-hmm. i'm just trying my best out here like we all are but yeah how did you get into what you like what you're doing now and if you want to share your journey and your story please feel free my listeners probably want to hear that more than anything but
1: yeah totally so i'm pretty much an open book so don't worry oh, about <laughs> yeah. probably leave out things that could be triggering though just being mindful of listeners and stuff but um we appreciate that how, yeah How I got into this field, it's weird. So since I was pretty young, like around middle school age, I would say, I just knew I wanted to be a therapist. Um, I'm not quite sure why. I've always been kind of like the helper in the family, the peacemaker. That is how I got exposed to the idea of a therapist. And I just kind of admired what they did, honestly. And so that just evolved over the years. I always had that kind of burning fire to want to be a therapist. Later on, like late high school years, I developed my own mental health issues. So um, I'm like a child of divorce and just had all these kind of crazy things going on as we all do throughout childhood. And I started developing like anxiety and um, a really big focus on like exercise. And I think that's very common for a lot of us because we are in this culture that so values exercise and quote unquote like eating healthy and stuff and that was definitely modeled to me and so i started like leaning into that a lot to cope with my anxiety and um it helped for the anxiety for a little bit but then it kind of took a really dark turn and it became extremely obsessive and um ended up just really becoming very very sick and ill um to the point where I had to make a change or something drastic was going to happen to me. So it took quite a while to realize that. And a lot of people like pointing out to me that something might be wrong. But, you know, like many people, I just thought this is great. This is what everyone talks about doing. Like, what do you mean I'm doing something wrong? I'm just, quote unquote, eating healthy and exercising.
0: Yeah, Um, I definitely have had that conversation a few times.
1: Yeah, It's really tough. It's like it's very insidious. It's not like an addiction to alcohol or drugs where very clearly we can see um that it's problematic because with food and exercise, it's like something we're so praised for. Right. So
0: that's all that mattered to you at that time. And then when people were telling you that it was a problem, you were like, What? Why? Why is this a problem? I totally know that feeling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It felt, I just didn't believe it at first until it started impacting, like, I would say like relationships in my life. Like I'm a very relational person. I have lots of great friends and family super important to me. And I started noticing I just wasn't myself, you know, and friends were telling me that too. Like, you're really not yourself. What's going on? And that actually like scared me more than anything, because I'm a very, like, outgoing and fun-loving person, and I was not that way in my eating disorder. I was very rigid and, you know, just generally unhappy. And so I wasn't me anymore. It was, like, I was still living in the same face and stuff, but I just, my soul was different, I guess. Yeah, it took a while, and I started seeing, like, different therapists because I was, like, okay, something's really wrong. Um, I tried to, like, eat differently or um exercise less but i would just get like panic attacks from it so i was like okay this is not normal right um and so ended up seeking out different therapists but i would kind of purposely choose ones that i knew couldn't help me (laughs) that didn't specialize in eating disorders did you Um,
0: actually do that like you actually looked and saw like what they specialized in and made sure that it wasn't eating disorder or did you see that like later down the road when you were like oh None of them actually specialed in anything that I actually needed help with.
1: That's a good question. Um, I don't think I purposely like looked them up and made sure like eating disorders wasn't on their specialty list. But um, I would like seek very like beginner therapists, for example, in like a university setting where they're in like their first internship, where there's no oh, way they could okay. have the training for it. You know what I mean? Avoid the whole eating thing but then I w- it would look like I was still getting help. But then obviously nothing was changing. And so it took a few times of that before I realized, yes, I do need an eating disorder, a specialized therapist.
0: Hard pill to swallow too, because you thought, you probably thought, and tell me if I'm wrong, you probably thought like, okay, I am going to see some people. So it does look like, like you said, like it does look like I'm getting better. But then when it was time to actually like, get the help you were like Mm -hmm. what have i been doing like did it actually help me did it set me back more because i feel like i'm sorry to interrupt your story but at the end of the day like therapy is there for you to want to better yourself and obviously not hurt your hurt you so it's like oh oh my god like i'm just like mind blown that other people have like done similar things to me as well where it's like yeah we don't seek out the best help so Mm. that's just I mean, I want my listeners to know how relatable that these things are. I know that they can be triggering, uh, but it's important for me and for my podcast to know that like we are all human and we're not perfect. So the fact that both Allison and I guys have been through a similar situation and we live on opposite ends of the country, like like the world is crazy. Like just remember how important that your mental health is.
1: Yeah, it's so important for your listeners to understand that... There's this thing called the stages of change. And so when I talk about like seeking out different therapists that I kind of had a hunch, they weren't really going to focus on the eating stuff. It all falls into this model of stages of change. And it, that comes about whenever we're about to make any big change in our life, there's these, um, there's these six stages. So one is pre-contemplation. And that's kind of when you're not thinking about it yet. Like you don't think there's a problem. Okay. And then something happens and you move into this contemplation stage. And that's the part where you start questioning, like maybe something is really wrong. Maybe this isn't normal. Maybe I do need help. Um, And then there's like this determination part where you start getting a little more motivation to seek out that help. So that's where seeking out therapists comes in um, again, but maybe not really the right ones. Um, But then you realize, okay, that did nothing. So you move into the next stage and that's action. And that's where you start realizing, okay, I know I need to take a different action here. Like what I'm doing isn't working. Um, And so you take an action that is probably gonna move you more in the right direction. And that's where recovery can actually, well, I would say recovery starts before that, even when you're just contemplating it, but the steps towards being recovered actually you know, happens when you are actively asking for help and you're seeking out people that can that are trained to help you. And then after that, sometimes part of the process is well, for most people, relapse or lapsing. Recovery is not perfect. It's not linear. So there's often like you'll take two steps forward and three steps back, and that can last for years.
0: Oh, um, that, yeah. that hit home. I just felt yeah. that in my soul. <laughs> yeah.
1: Totally. I mean, and I think people have this idea that they'll go to therapy and like, it's all going to be better, but no, it's even with the best of the best of the best therapists, um, you have to kind of go through this own process on your own where you take those steps back, but you learn each time. So you take another step forward. Um, And then you enter this period of maintenance. And that's the last step of the stage of change where Okay, you've had enough lapses to know like what not to do now and what you need to do. And it just becomes a lot easier to kind of maintain that recovered life. I can't believe that there's like six things that like we, cause I, and now that
0: you say them, like, I feel like I went through all six of them. Like i'm sure mm-hmm. i did but it's like i never actually like stopped and been like okay yeah like i went through boom 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 because like yeah i did have a, a relapse like you said most people do what do you tell people when they do hit a relapse like do you tell them that it like it's okay or how would you think that it's the best way to put that
1: yeah so i totally normalize it you know for my clients that that lapse or relapse i like to use the term lapse sometimes yeah. because a lot different than a different than a full-blown relapse um right. and it, when we use the term lapse it helps people feel a little more compassionate towards themselves like I think the term relapse just we think like the worst of the worst like you hit rock bottom again and all that stuff and that's doesn't always happen it sometimes does but yeah, using you're the term so lapse, right
0: I do yeah. like that very
1: better yeah and so when clients lapse you know number one I always 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 thank them for their honesty, right? Because if you're not, if you can't be honest with your therapist about a lapse, not much good's gonna happen, right? Because that's the only way I can help someone is knowing truly what's happening. So first of all, like thanking them for their honesty, um, humanizing the lapse that it's a completely normal and expected part of this process and that it's actually not a failure, it's an opportunity to learn, okay, maybe there's some additional triggers that we haven't talked about yet, or um, maybe there's new barriers that came up that made it hard for you to complete your goals. Um, it's really an opportunity for growth. Um, and so then it's like, okay, so now we've identified this lapse, we identified some new triggers. What do we need to do now to even take one tiny step forward? Sometimes it's even a half a step. Um, but just knowing that it doesn't mean you start all the way back to the bottom. It's quite the opposite it's you're moving moving further and further along in your recovery right and
0: do you think people when they have a lapse can like always constantly think about it or do you think that when you do have a lapse that it is easier to that it might not like be the most like obviously we're not happy that we lapse but it's kind of like a oh crap like I really wasn't ready yet
1: when when someone has a lapse do they kind of stew over it and kind of get hung up on it, or that can they just kind of move on from it? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so different for each person. Um, I think what I've noticed is that helping people have compassion and understanding that this is a normal process of recovery, that it doesn't mean they failed, it doesn't mean they did something wrong. When they can really adopt that mindset of it, um, I find that they're able to move on from the lapse faster versus clients that you know beat themselves up for it and don't have even the slightest bit of compassion um, and then of course can stay in that lapsed mindset but the kind of overarching question I would ask there is like how is staying stuck on that lapse going to help your recovery right and right. ultimately, it's not right so if it's not going to help then can we think about a different way to kind of view it
0: Right. Okay. So my question is, do you think that you have not, I wouldn't say that there's one way because there is never going to be one way to do everything. But do you think you could give my listeners some advice on how to change
1: your mindset a little bit? Yeah, um, in terms of the lapses or recovery um, in general?
0: Just, just kind of like, I just want my listeners to be like, we I, we are human. So there is going to be mistakes and bumps in the road. So just like not even so much of in a lapse or an eating disorder sense. Just uh, how do we change our mindset from just being so negative to positive?
1: With positivity, it, it can be such a loaded thing that can actually yes. cause a lot of shame. Right. when we think that everything has to be positive all the time. Yes. Um, of course, our culture loves that myth of positivity 100% of the time. But Even
0: I say it all the time. I'm like, guys, I'm not positive 100% of the time. And I think like I'm sure my listeners know that from me, at least, but I always want to give them some sort of like positivity and mindset change just because I know that a lot of my listeners are in that negative stage of life right now. Like, it's a really sad season with COVID and the holidays, yeah. not being able to see other people. So, it's like a, we need that little boost of mindset change. So, I'm sure you can give.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so what I was kind of getting to about positivity and where it can become toxic is when when it's invalidating so like let's say someone comes to you and they just had like the hardest day like just worst day possible and you tell them just stay positive like look on the bright side that doesn't really work right like it actually like if someone's ever done that to you which i can speak from my own experience it just feels incredibly invalidating yes um so we want to steer away from those like blanket toxic positivity statements. And I have a post on my Instagram all about this if you want to
0: learn Ooh, more. But then
1: yes. what helps better is tuning into hope and validation. So saying to that person, wow, what you're feeling makes complete sense and is normal. Um, how can I support you in this? You know? Yes. Giving them some hope and validation versus just saying like, oh, you know, just don't give up, stay positive. It could always be worse. Like all that stuff just well-intentioned but not helpful right so do you think
0: that when we do get those types of toxic positivity like responses like that can deter our mindset from being like wanting to get better in
1: in both life and recovery 100 percent. i think it only creates more shame for the person on the receiving end because they're like wow why can't i just snap out of it yeah oh my that Allison, literally
0: me. I'm not even kidding. Like, I swear, like, have you you ever feel like that? When people say that to me, for sure. There's so much pressure to get better. And like, Mm -hmm. that's not the mindset that we want people to have either, because we just want them to get better because they want to get better.
1: Right. And so being able to show up for someone, like hold space for their pain, tell them, you know, what your feelings valid. I would feel terrible too. And you're not alone. I'm here for you. When you're ready, like, let me know how I can help. And sometimes that's just a listening ear. Sometimes that's a shoulder to cry on. Sometimes that's, it's just nothing. It's just giving that person time to kind of work through what it is, or maybe helping them find, connect them to a, a therapist or connect them to a support group. But Sometimes I think we're too quick to jump to action mode. And again, it's like well-intentioned. We, we live in this society, I think, that's very like fix-it oriented. And, and unfortunately, that's just not how the soul works. When we oh, have like a soul wound, you know, there is no quick fix.
0: Right. Like you have to put a band-aid on it and spawn, and it's going to get better over time. <laughs> Do you have any recommendations on self-love, self-growth? positive mindset in the right way because I feel like this is like a good time to talk about that as well.
1: I think in terms of building your self-worth and self-love it's really 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 important to have like a daily self-care practice so just a few simple things you can do for yourself every day to kind of fill up your cup Um, and what I mean by that is I recently heard this quote from someone um She talks about, her name's Sonia Renee Taylor, she's amazing. Um, She talked about how she only gives to others when her cup is overflowing. Um, I absolutely just love that. I've been trying to embody it ever ever since I heard it. So if you envision, like, we all have this cup, right, and um, a cup of capacity for how we can show up for ourselves and others, and the truth is, it's really hard to show up for other people in our lives if our cup is, like, half full, right, or even just three quarters full. So I like to think of self-care as a way to fill up your cup, prioritizing your needs above others, you know, unless it's a life or death situation, but it's really that act of reminding yourself that you matter. It goes beyond saying those like nice affirmations to ourselves, which is also great, but kind of goes back to that motto of actions speak louder than words. We actually have to, at the end of the day, show ourselves and act on it versus Just saying these nice things to ourselves. My daily kind of self care practices include like journaling, making sure I'm getting enough sleep, um, nourishing myself properly, setting boundaries with work and um, just people in my life, honoring my emotions. So, like when I do have a difficult emotion like sadness or grief, which, you know, I'm a therapist, but I'm not immune to that. And during this time of the pandemic, it's come up a lot more. And so, instead of like pushing it aside or telling myself it's okay just focus on the right side i just sit with it i'm like yeah this freaking sucks like this is terrible and i'll journal about it and you know eventually any feeling we have good or bad eventually it it passes it's kind of like a wave
0: are you basically saying it all takes time is that what you're saying because you know it is not an overnight process we're always in at least in america we're always like rush 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 especially during covid like everything is so slowed down because we have to be spaced out and there's so many things that could happen but i'm so glad that like we're talking about this right now because we all just need to slow down and if we're Mm. rushing our self-care and self-love and eating and mental health like we're just gonna go back down a bad path and Mm -hmm. none of us want that. So I just love that you are so mindful and you can talk about these things with others and want the best for others because a lot of people don't. And even though you are a mental health therapist to be specific, it's, it's beautiful to see that there are people out there that have gone through things similar to what you and I have and that you come out on top and you can tell people that they can come out on top because you know just because you're a therapist didn't mean it didn't take you a very long time to get there to be on top what is one thing that you think that my listeners should do every single day to keep their mental health above the line like above Mm the uh i'm okay i want my i want you all to be okay i'm good not Mm -hmm. yes not every single day we're going to be good but what can we do to get there.
1: And I and I think that just goes back to that daily self-care practice. It's not any like glorious recommendation. It's really just like this putting your needs first. Like so I do my daily self care first thing in the morning. Like I don't schedule clients usually until like 10 AM because there you go. I love to sleep in until 7 30 and yeah. then I like to you know do whatever feels good for me that day whether that's like I take my dog to the dog park or I meditate or I journal and it's not like I do this for an extended amount of time even just like 20 minutes on something for yourself can kind of really set the tone for the rest of your day like it's kind yeah. of like if you envision like a gas tank, like are you running on empty all the time or are you loading up your gas with all these other things so you can Kind of be your best self. That's amazing if you can. But also, it's okay if you know you're not your best self right now. Like I don't think many of us are. This is a really oh yeah oh really God. hard time, right? There's no like normal to follow. You know, it's just it's just a hard time. But we are we are all in this together, and I think that helps to kind of like stay connected to your support systems. And Allison, you just said that perfectly. Like li- like chefs can like not perfect
0: thank you oh because i preach it every day and you know sometimes you just need to hear things from other people and especially you're a licensed therapist so like i hope guys did you hear her like go listen to that again if you didn't hear that part like (laughs) allison thank you so 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 much for coming on the podcast like it seriously means the world to me you are an incredible human i couldn't be more thankful for you in this world even though we just met but still like there needs to be more people like you Oh, guys, go follow Allison's Instagram. What is it?
1: Yeah, so you can find me at, it's at the, like, the, T-H-E dot, Eclectic Therapist. Sometimes people have a hard time spelling that, so it's E-C-L-E-C-T-I-C, Therapist, Um and I'm sure you can put this in the show notes or I will, like I will that, but, um,
0: everywhere guys. It's going to be everywhere. You better follow her. If you have questions, go DM her. I'm sure she will answer again. <laughs> Allison, thank you so much for coming on Raising Serotonin. We appreciate you so much.
1: It was so fun to be on your podcast. So thanks for inviting me. Anytime girlfriend. Okay. Well, <laughs> I will see you guys next week. Recruiters, reduce your cost per candidate by about 50% with CareerBuilder. We connect you to qualified, diverse candidates at every stage of the hiring funnel. CareerBuilder Talent Acquisition Suite. Software packed with talent. Visit hiring.careerbuilder.com forward slash recruit.